All right. Well, this morning we are going to take a, a short break from the book of Acts, uh, being as it's Palm Sunday, and then next week is Easter Sunday. So we will uh, be jumping into the Gospel of John. Um, and today we're going to look at John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19 says this. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and he had, and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to him, went to meet him, was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that they are all gaining, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Thus sends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it go after this Jesus and cry out, Hosanna. Well, it is Palm Sunday, the day when Jesus entered into his city, riding upon that lowly donkey. The day when the people spread out those palm branches before their Messiah as a way of showing him honor and respect. The day when the crowds were welcoming this man as their king with, with shouts of Hosanna. Hosanna. But what does that all mean? What are they crying out? What, what do the palm branches represent? Sometimes to understand one story, you have to hear another. From, from John's gospel, we get, we get some insight that, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke failed to mention. We, we, we get this story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And the reason this story is so important is because it, it reveals to us the, the, the tipping point, if you will, of when the chief priests and the, and the Pharisees conspired together and, and set this plan in motion to kill Jesus. Well, let's take a brief look at what had taken place just before Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Look at, look at John chapter 11. Look at verses 38 through 44. Here we see Jesus standing before the tomb of Lazarus. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a, a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, 
Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. It was through this powerful, powerful miracle that that many in and near Jerusalem had had come to put their trust in Jesus. They they began to believe that he he truly was their Messiah. For, For if one can raise the dead, then he must have an authority that comes from heaven above. And yet not all were happy about the resurrection of this Lazarus. Look a little further in John chapter 11. Look at verses 45 through 48. And let's find out what occurred immediately after. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. It is in this short narrative that we begin to see the heart of the issue. The the real reason why these Jewish religious leaders had so much animosity towards this Jesus. It was because they they liked the status quo. Right? They, They liked the place that Rome had given to them. And that's because even though they were under Rome's thumb, both of these groups, the Pharisees and the chief priests, were granted certain powers and privileges. And so both of these groups did not want to lose what had been given to them. And here's here's what you need to understand. The Romans had had granted particular freedoms to the Jews that they didn't give to any other nation. They they had given to them this this form of religious freedom that, that no other nation that they had conquered had. So long as they paid their taxes and maintained some type of relative peace, then they wouldn't have to bow down to the Roman gods or bow down to Caesar. But they could worship Yahweh alone. And for the chief priests, this this meant control over the temple and thus control over the nation's wealth. And for the Pharisees, this meant popularity among the masses, giving them both political and social sway. But all that was now in jeopardy for as the reputation of Jesus continued to grow, 
their tenuous power structure was beginning to unravel. And he noticed what these men said. You know, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. In other words, they, they recognized that Jesus was performing genuine miracles. And so it's not that they didn't have any evidence that, that Jesus was their Messiah. No. Deep down, they, they knew. And after the raising of Lazarus, they, they should have all been bowing at this man's feet, believing in, believing in him and turning from their sins. But, but these men didn't want to believe. Instead, they wanted to put their trust in Rome and in the politics of their day. They, they, they saw peace and fulfillment in, in a foreign nation rather than in God. And, and so when this problem arose, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, what was the solution that they came up with? It was a solution that, that looked like it could have come straight from Caesar's mouth. For it was a solution based upon worldly power. Look, look at verses 49 through 53. We'll see what their solution is. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. What, what Caiaphas meant for evil, God meant for good. These men, they, they came up with their worldly solution. That they would simply kill the problem. They would kill Jesus. And though they didn't know it at the time, this, this worldly solution that they came up with was actually serving to fulfill God's purposes. Through the... Through the the sinful desires of their heart, they were actually providing a path, pathway for God's salvation. And so they came up with a decree for the people. Look at, look at the next verse. Look at verse 57. Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. In other words, they, they, they wanted the world to, to join them in their murderous pursuit. And this sets the stage for our text for today when, when Jesus would finally enter into Jerusalem as Israel's king. Look at, look at John chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. It was Sunday, and, and the week of Passover was upon them. 
And this meant that the whole world had descended upon Jerusalem. Jews from, from many nations had traveled to this city in order to offer sacrifices for their sins and, and to celebrate the deliverance that God had given to them from Egypt. And we see this great crowd filling the street that led into that city. And the reason they were gathering was because they wanted to welcome in Jesus as their messianic king. Now this scene is the exact opposite of what those religious leaders were hoping for. Instead of reporting on Jesus, the world was flocking to him. But not just flocking to him, but they, they were now declaring him that he was their king. That he was the, the, the rightful ruler of Israel. And that's because this crowd believed that Jesus truly was the Messiah. I mean, consider all that they were doing. I mean, for one, they were, they were waving these palm branches and, and, and spreading them out before him. In both Jewish and Roman culture, the, the palm branch represented a sign of, vic, of victory. And it was often used to give a, a welcome return for a conquering king. And so already we, we see that this crowd had come with a certain expectation of who this Jesus was. That he was their triumphant ruler. That he was their exalted king. And this was made even more evident with what they cried out. Hosanna. Hosanna. This word Hosanna comes to us from, from, from a combination of two Jewish words that's found in Psalm 118. And, and, and the word Hosanna it means, please save us. And so this crowd was looking for that victory that their palm branches represented. They, they, they were looking for a savior. Someone who would come to their rescue in their time of need. And this is why they, they then quoted this, that messianic psalm. Look at, look at Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. It says this. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. You see, by, by quoting this psalm, these people demonstrated that they viewed this Jesus as being one who was sent from God above. That he was God's emissary who, who had come to them to fulfill what they had been asking for. When they were crying out, Hosanna, that Jesus would be able to save them. But what else did they cry out? What were, what were the last words that John records for us? Even the king of Israel. Even the king of Israel. So, so not only was he God's chosen Savior, this one who had been sent to bring rescue to them, but he was also their new ruler, this, this one who would take David's throne and be their king. 
And so when you put this all together, what you have is a, is a crowd who, who believe that Jesus was both sent from God above in order to rescue them and that he was the legitimate heir of King David, that he was their messianic king. Brothers, sisters, do you see it? These people were not satisfied with the status quo. No, they, they were not like the chief priests and the Pharisees. And instead of looking for a solution brought about by worldly means, brought about through their own strength, through their own merit, they, they were looking for a deliverance that could only come from above. They were looking for a divine rescuer. And so rather than reporting on Jesus to the powers that be, they instead surrounded him and cried out to him, Hosanna, trusting that he would be the one to bring about their salvation. And in so doing, in this crying out of theirs, these people had rejected the ways of the world. And yet even for them, the salvation that they were expecting was not the salvation that Jesus was delivering. Look at, look at verses 14 and 15. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, for a people who were looking for a, a mighty king, a king who would come to their aid and rescue them, they would not be expecting for that king to come riding in on a donkey. Right? No. Instead, they, they would want him to be riding on a chariot or some type of war horse, something that is powerful and can be used in battle. And yet Jesus comes into his city riding upon a donkey, an animal that is symbolic for times of peace and prosperity, an animal that represents both humility and lowliness. This is a picture of a, of a humble king, one who does not lift himself higher than, than his subjects. And so Jesus was not riding in with these visions of war, Rather, he was offering to his people peace. A peace between them and an enemy they did not know that they had. And yet this donkey communicated another message as well. For, for it had been prophesied long before that when the messianic king came into his city, that he would ride in upon a donkey. Look, look at Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, colt the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. 
His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. You see, by riding upon this donkey, Jesus was acknowledging to the crowd that that he is their king, that he is the Messiah. He was not hiding this fact. Instead, he was making it obvious, obvious to everyone within Jerusalem, even to those who were sitting in lofty places. And so if anyone was wondering before whether Jesus considered himself to be the Messiah, there was no question now. Jesus is the king of Israel and he has come to establish his kingdom. And yet his kingdom comes not through war or through violence, but it comes about through peace. For, for he is a patient and humble king. And that's because the, the salvation that he delivers is, is not freedom from the Romans or from any other earthly power for that matter. No. Rather, the, 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 the salvation that he delivers is salvation from a far greater threat. For all men are under the yoke of their own transgressions. They are slaves to their own sins. And because of their sin, they they have been estranged from God and and sit underneath his judgment. In fact, they they are God's enemy. And it is from him that they need to find peace. And that is why they need this humble king. This one who rides low upon a donkey. They they need someone from heaven above who who can bridge the gap and become the mediator between God and man. And Jesus is the only one who can fill this role. For without Christ's help, these people had no hope. And yet Jesus is their Hosanna, right? He he is the one who saves. And he will fulfill Caiaphas' prophecy. He will be that one man who, who dies for his people as he goes to the cross. He will take upon their sin and pay the just penalty that they deserve. For it is through his death that those who were once enemies of God can now find the peace that they are looking for. For it is through the death of Jesus that God's wrath is appeased and that the broken relationship can once again be restored. Restored for all those who cry out, Hosanna. For all those who who look to their messianic king with repentant faith. They will be the ones who will find that their sins have been forgiven. They will be the ones who will find out that they have been granted eternal life through this Jesus, through this messianic king. And it is in this way that Jesus Christ draws the world to himself, including you. Dear friends, he is Hosanna for you as well. Maybe you are here today and you are challenged by this king. 
Perhaps you are like those chief priests and those Pharisees. You are, you are comfortable with the, with the freedom and the, and the power that the world has to offer. You like the way things are. And you don't want to change a thing. And so you have rejected this Jesus because you, you know that, that, that true faith in him will mean a loss of your supposed freedom and your perceived power. It is true. It is true that, that, that faith in Christ means a rejection of the things of this world. But my challenge to you is this, that you would count the costs. Yes, like those religious leaders, you can, you can suppress the truth about who Jesus is. You can, you can live in your sin and think that you have fulfillment and purpose. And you may even find happiness that will last the rest of your life. But that will be all that you will have. For when you die, you will be under God's judgment. Facing eternal damnation. And simply because you have rejected him. You have rejected the salvation that God has brought to you. Here's the thing. Christ is coming again. And when he comes a second time, it will not be like the first from the book of Revelation, we get another picture of Jesus riding in as a king. Only this, this next time, he will not be sitting upon a donkey. Rather, he will ride in upon a war horse. Look at, look at Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. <clears throat> he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the, the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of of lords. Listen, when, when Christ returns, it, it will not be for peace, but for judgment. He, he will not be riding in upon a donkey, but upon a powerful steed. And any palm branches that you lay before him will be trampled asunder. And while you may cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, please save your shouting will be to no avail. For the day of God's salvation will have passed and the day of his wrath will be upon you. And because you have chosen the things of this world over him, you will be judged 
and found guilty. Dear friends, today is the day of salvation. You don't know when Christ will return. It could be a week from now. It could be tomorrow. It could could even be before I finish preaching this sermon to you. Repent. Turn from your sins and believe in King Jesus while there is still time. Turn away from the ways of the world and, and turn to him and find forgiveness. Of course, there are many of you here today who already believe, who, who already have turned from your sins and, and trusted in this King of Peace. And I'm so, so thankful for that. But Jesus has a message for you as well. Turn back once again to to John chapter 12. Look at verses 17 and 18. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Here we see how those who trust in this king react. Instead of capitulating to the edict of the religious leaders, they they, they spread the word, leading many to Jesus. They desire to see others also putting their faith in him. And yet this is uh, the the natural result of those who have seen their king. For if if you have tasted the goodness of Christ, then why wouldn't you want to tell others about him? Jesus calls for you to do this very thing. You are to go to your neighbor. You are to go to your friend. You are to go to your relatives. You are to tell them about Jesus You are to explain to them the good news that leads to salvation. You are to invite them to meet your gracious king. This one who rides lowly upon a donkey. You are to bring them to where the word is preached. And to where his people joyfully worship together. And you are to help them to see this this righteous king so that they too might believe in him and have life in his name in other words you are to be a part of God's plan of drawing drawing the world to his son which leads us to our final verse verse 19 so the Pharisees said to one another you see that you are gaining nothing Look, the world has gone after him. The the Pharisees saw how the, the masses had welcomed Jesus in as their Messiah, and they were frustrated. They, they, they were hoping to be done with this Jesus before Passover began. They, they had hoped that their plan of getting someone to turn this man in would have worked. But instead of turning on Christ, the world had gone after him. 
throughout history, men have been trying to turn people against Jesus in one way or another. They, they may not say that is what they're doing, but essentially that is their aim. They, 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 they will tempt you and try to entice you away from Christ. And their offer is this, that in the things of the, of the world you will find peace. That in the things of the world you will find fulfillment. But just like in our passage, the plans of men will not prevail. Even in a society like ours today, with, with all of our modern conveniences and philosophical ideals, God continues to draw the world to his Son. And today he calls upon you. Therefore, turn from the, the things of this world, from your sin, from your unbelief, and put your trust in this humble king. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day when you can cry out, Hosanna. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Do not wait. Do not put it off. This may be your last chance. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let us pray. Father, we are truly, truly grateful for your son, who is our king, the king of peace. We are grateful that he, he comes to us gently, offering salvation. Help us to turn away from the things of this world and to go after him, to put our trust in him. We can only do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so fill us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.